Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And the math is getting worse. Twelve and a half games out of first place. Five and a half games out of a wild card spot. The math is getting worse. As far as what's next, here's what's next. The Houston Astros. And that is a very, very scary proposition, despite the fact that the Astros are actually struggling. The Houston Astros just got swept by the red-hot, you-can't-stop-them, Cincinnati Reds. The Houston Astros have dropped to 39-33. and They've dropped into a four-game tailspin. Jordan Alvarez is out. Michael Brantley has still not played a game yet for this season, despite all his, he's almost back. He's on a rehab assignment. Boom, there's a setback. So the good news is the Mets are going to play a team that is struggling. The bad news is, they were just playing a team that was struggling, and they lost two out of three. And I've got some more bad news. The Mets are going to Houston. They're throwing Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander in game one and two. Seems great on paper. Except what have I told you the Astros have the starting pitching edge in both games? They do. Because in game one, Hunter Brown is pitching. Hunter Brown has had a far better year than Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer has sucked. That's just call like it is. In game two, Justin Verlander, who has been up and down, up and down, is taking on, in my opinion, I mentioned his name earlier in the pod when talking about who's the best pitcher in baseball. Garrett Cole's in the discussion. McClanahan's in the discussion. For my money, it may be Framber Valdez. And that's who they face in game two. So the Mets are going to be looking at a starting pitching disadvantage when they've got the $90 million men on the mound. And then in the finale, Chris John Javier against Tyler and McGill, despite McGill on Friday, feels like McNeely against Tyson. So we're going to Houston. Raise your hand if you think this is the series that turns this season around. It's just, it's going to get worse. I'm, I'm, here's the thing, though, and I'm going to just, I've said this before, because a lot of people... And I'm pissed because they were supposed to be. It was supposed to be versus the Cardinals. This is where it's supposed to start. The Mets are not going to go on this magical 25 game winning streak and take over the division. We know that the Mets aren't going to go on a 10 game winning streak. Mm. But what they can start doing is just win freaking series. It's all you need. If they do that, they'll get back in the mix. They will get back into a wild card race. They'll get back into 
you know, over 500 baseball. It's not that difficult. Two out of three. That's all you have to do the rest of the way. But they have to start doing it now. Yeah, when are they going to do it? They haven't won a series on the road since L.A. <laughs> they, they haven't. They have been. And they just got smoked, dude. I, I, they just got the shit beat out of them. And look, freaking by the, the Giants. But you know what? The Dodgers are struggling right now. You're right. The Astros are struggling, like I mentioned. But both of those teams had gotten off to good enough starts where as of today, as of Monday morning, the Dodgers and the Astros are right on that wild card line in Major League Baseball. They're right there. So that's the beauty of it. You can struggle and not bury yourself. Even the Yankees are in that spot. Like the Yankees have been a freaking mess since Aaron Judge got hurt. They're on a four-game losing streak. They got swept by the Red Sox. They're right there on the wild card line. The Mets are five and a half games back. They haven't had a good stretch. Like their only good stretch. And I'm sorry, I can't even include the homestand against Tampa and Cleveland. It was so brief. It was so brief. I can't even count it as a winning stretch. It was a nice couple of days where we thought they were back naively. But their really only winning stretch was earlier in the season. And even then, they weren't winning that many games. Now, let me read some of your uh, pissed off emails. Because we haven't done that in a few days. We did a couple of drive homes with the Yankee series. And by the way, I do apologize. I know we still haven't done the podcast on the could have been off season one. Uh, we will definitely do it this week coming up. There were some distractions last week. I don't know if you heard. So I was tired. I apologize. I'm sorry. Right, let me start off with Charlie. Charlie writes, this team confuses me. This might be rock bottom and it sucks, but as long as the kids make movement this year, I don't feel like the world is ending. Anyway, I was at the game on Friday night and I couldn't believe the amount of upset size I heard when Tyler McGill gave up his first hit. <laughs> I overheard multiple people say, there goes the no hitter. The team can't get a pitcher through the sixth inning. Did we really think Tyler McGill was going to no hit the Cardinals? I did, but that's only because of a weird text message. Another thing I noticed during Saturday's game, Kodai Senga does not look towards the strikes on until the very last second before releasing the ball. I know the ghost fork drops early, but he was wilder than usual on Saturday. Do you think he'd benefit from keeping his eye on the catcher through that stretch? I don't think so. I think that's probably something Senga's always done. So I don't think that affects necessarily anything that he's throwing. But look, the ghost fork was not effective on Saturday. It's a part of why he gave up multiple home runs uh, because when that ghost fork is not over for a strike, that's when he has to settle by throwing fastballs down the middle and they get pounds sometimes. Last question. We owe Starling Marte a lot of money. Is it too much money to consider a trade while he's hot? I just don't think he's the guy. So here's the issue, and this is going to become a common thread if the Mets don't turn this season around. There's going to start to be talk, and there's a bunch of it in the email already, about selling guys off. About, hey, we should be sellers. We shouldn't do anything stupid. We, we shouldn't be buyers. We should be sellers. The Mets have a huge payroll. And along with having a huge payroll, it's having a lot of guys who make a ton of money. There are not a lot of teams in baseball that are going to take on those contracts. So even if Marte was having a good year, I don't know how many suitors would be lining up for the back end of his contract. Uh, Marte getting hot is not going to change that. He is a contract right now that to me has no value. You'd have to pay off part of that deal, which I would not be up for. And I think there's going to be a lot of guys like that. So when you hear this knee jerk, the Mets suck, let's just trade everybody. Trade Verlander. 
Well, first of all, Verlander is going to have a full no trade. Same with Scherzer. And nobody's going to want them. Because even if they were good, even if they were pitching well, how many teams in baseball, like the Cincinnati Reds are in a race and they have so many good young position players. It's really exciting what's happening in Cincinnati. Let's say the Reds said, you know what? F it. Let's just go for it. Let's go get an ace. Would they pay $45 million a year prorated and then another year for Justin Verlander? No. So even a team that's looking at the race saying we have a shot, they're not paying that kind of money. So I know we're going to get a lot of emails about that, but let's be honest. Not a lot of guys with value on this team. Can I ask you a question? Because and, and this is a bigger picture thing, and I, I hate to always go back to, to big picture stuff, but Max Scherzer, right, has a terrible season the rest of the way. He's not going to opt out of his contract, clearly, even though I think he should. I think he should respect the fact that he sucks and we don't need him anymore. Stop. But if he, if it's terrible, if he's terrible, if right. he pitches to a four, five year, whatever the hell it is, we're going to suck it up and have him pitch all season next year for us? Yeah. Well, I, well, yeah, in that he's going to opt in. I don't think Max Scherzer is some kind of weird human who's going to say, I suck, I owe it to the Mets, I'm going to opt. He's not going to do that. Nobody would do that. Nobody would do that in the NBA. Nobody would do that in Major League Baseball. It's why you put those opt-in or opt-outs in for that reason. And I I get that. But And this is why it's a big-picture situation, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. You're already talking about your 43 or $45 in the hole with a guy who you can't even trust anymore. That's not a good sign to start 2024. Well, they're going to be stuck with both guys. <laughs> I mean, they are. They are. Let's go, Mets. And let's go. Billy Epler fired. But, but, but here's the difference. Here's why that thought doesn't scare me. Why that thought doesn't freak me out. Because if the owner is still committed, and he has been, to spending, and says, look, I'm just going to spend our way with these short-term free agent deals until we figure things out farm system-wise, then that may not stop him from signing a big arm. And if Max Scherzer's making $45 million, but you're viewing him more as a third or fourth starter, it's a lot different than the way we view him now, which is a guy who needs to be an ace. Listen, and I, I, don't, I still believe in this team because I really don't want to shave my head, but if they miss the playoffs and their payroll – is by far the worst team money can buy. Let's be yeah. serious. That they're going to take over. Yeah. You, next year they're going to be over four hundred million dollars. Maybe. I'm. I, I mean, yeah, that, so. that to me is out. Do you trust Billy? Uh, first, I mean, whatever. Uh, Billy, no, 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 no. Billy Epler is not going to be here. Can we just all cut Thank the crap th- with this? Th- Billy Epler is not. If Billy Epler is here, he's going to be here the way. Um. Oh my God, the name is already plopped out of my head. Scott Perry. Okay, remember Scott Perry, the GM of the New York Knicks? Knicks, You know yeah. when Leon Rose took over, Scott Perry remained the GM of the Knicks? Except, yeah. what the hell was he doing? It was Leon Rose's show. Let's just get this out in the open. David Stearns is going to run the New York Mets next year. It's going to happen. It's a lock of a century. Do I say it with knowledge? I'd say I say it with an educated guess, all right? David Stearns is going to run the New York Mets. Does he retain Billy Epler? Maybe. It's not going to matter. Because no one's going to think of Billy Epler as the guy making day-to-day decisions. It's going to be David Stearns. So let's all calm down about that. That's what's going to happen next year. And by the way, 
that was probably going to happen no matter what. <laughs> the Mets could win 90 games, and David Stearns was still going to run this team. Steve Cohen's had a boner for him for the last two years. He loves the guy. So that, that's going to happen. But again, if the owner, and I believe him, I have no reason not to, is going to continue to spend, then, and yeah, there'll be $150 million locked into the starting rotation next year. Like, seriously, if he went out and signed Shohei Otani and Julio Urias, I'm not even kidding. And I know Urias is on the injured list right now, but real good, real good pitcher who's been consistent over the last few years. I'm not even kidding. Let's say he said, you know what? I'm making two moves during the offseason. Canna's numbers are off the books. Escobar's numbers are off the books. And quite frankly, I don't even to replace them because I got young position players. I'm good. I'm going to stick with my the position players I have. And the only expenditure is Otani and Urias. By the way, none of this is unrealistic. And Max Scherzer opts in. Max Scherzer's the effing fourth starter. You're not going to give a rat's ass about the fact that he opted in on $45 million. We may still attack him. People who are just uncouth may call him pieces of craps or something like that. But if they're going to spend anyway, and I've got no reason to think they're not, then whatever that he's on the team. Do you remember? I just want to, I need to tell everyone the audience this because before the offseason really started, I told you what the Mets had to do, and you go, dude, that payroll should be over $300 million. I said, yes, it probably should be. And we're talking about a, a payroll that next year may be over $400 million. Do you, do, do you think, Pete, and I asked this to the entire audience, we don't know much about Steve Cohen. We're learning. Now we're learning that he only tweets when good things happen. We've learned that he's not quick to fire a manager. You know, he hasn't shown any sign of doing that with Buck in 2023. But do you think, that Steve Cohen, if this team loses 90 games, has a, the worst team money could buy feel to it. Do you think his response is going to be, F you guys, I'm not spending? Is it going to be, ah, I'm going to keep things the same? Or is it, I'm just going to spend even more? Like, of those three options, what do you think Cohen's response to this uh, monstrosity of a season would be? I, I don't know, because I agree, he'll probably spend money. But on the other hand, too, I'm scratching my head going, I just put in almost, you know, over $350 million into this team, and we were worse by far than we were last year when we won 101 games. What the hell did we do wrong here? A lot of things, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Uh, let me get to some more of these emails. Alberto writes, losing a series to the worst team in the National League record-wise just really cements the fact that 
that we're not a great team this year and we shouldn't do anything crazy like trading away prospects for a reliever or a piece that doesn't put us any closer to a World Series win than we are right now. Listening to Bach just say over and over that he's happy with how much fight the team has and always trying to spin things as positive when there isn't anything positive about losing a series like this is straight up annoying at this point. Why we used Robertson in the eighth against the bottom of the order and not let him go back out for the ninth after throwing less than 10 pitches makes me feel like Buck must know that he won't get fired because the moves just make no sense at all. Even now, he says, quote, he pitched to the people he needed to. It just grinds my gears. I'm not sure what the answer is to this mediocre or below mediocre team at this point. But it feels like we we should be looking towards the offseason where we can address our starting pitching problems with Aranola, the Japanese stud Yamamoto, and even people like Julio Urias, and of course, Shohei Otani. Looking forward to the Ricos now more than the games themselves. Happy Father's Day. Sorry the Mets couldn't come through on your day. On our day. At least a lot of us who are fathers. Uh, I don't think the Mets are going to do anything at the deadline. Would be my guess. If I had to sit here right now, and we're not that far away from it because it's a month away. So, sure, the Mets could go out and win 18 out of 20 in that time span. But as of right now, like I mentioned earlier, there's not going to be that much to sell. And I don't think that they're going to operate and Billy Epler is going to operate as a GM whose time bomb is ticking. Where, oh my God, I have to win some games or they're going to fire me. I'm not sure that's going to happen. David Ramos writes, so I've come to the realization that the season is done. (laughs) Haven't we all to a degree? The worst thing we can do is trade prospects from middle of the road aging relievers. What if we do the opposite? David Robertson can bring us something back and we can sign him as a free agent again next year. See, that's smart thinking because of all the guys on this roster who would have value at the trade deadline, the guy with the most would actually be David Robertson. I think it's a spot-on analysis. Not necessarily that they're going to re-sign him at the end of the year. Who knows? You know, we saw the Yankees do it with a Roldis Chabin brilliantly a few years ago. But Robertson's had a great year. He doesn't make a lot of money. He's a reliever. Yeah, no doubt about it. Vincent Caparito writes, terrible. I'll keep this short and sweet. I think we need to reconsider our ability to beat bad teams when we just might be the worser team. That's a good point. (laughs) You you watch the Cardinals, and we watched them a little bit over the weekend. They obviously have guys in their lineup that are excellent, excellent players. You know, Brendan Donovan, not really. Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, sure. Nolan Gorman's had a tremendous year. We can't doubt him. So they've got guys in their lineup. Their rotation. right now, it may be better than the Mets. I hate to say it, like, Miles Michaelis isn't amazing. Adam Wainwright's got a tad bit left. Jack Flaherty's not very good. Jordan Montgomery hasn't been as good as he was last year. But you know what? Is that rotation that much worse than what the Mets are? Like, it's true. The Mets are one of those, quote, worser teams. Can I just say something? Um, I just want to say sayonara to Adam Wainwright. We never have to face you at City Field ever again. Thank God. Yeah, it's over. and he's he's going to be our first uh, go-F-yourself guest on a new segment that we'll have during the <laughs> offseason where we bring on guys we hate, and we'll call it go-F-yourself. I think he should be the first one. 
He will. And listen, let's be. I just. I, I would like to be transparent to the audience because we did try to bring him on before the season started, and they said he'd love to come on, but he wants to be focused for his final season. He doesn't want anything to ruin it, which I think he really wanted to come to City Field that last time and not give an edge to the Mets in any way. Didn't want to say anything wrong. And he effed us one last time. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. Darren Cohen writes, and this is good because this was in the middle of the Met game. I, I love this. And we've had a lot of people do this on the Rico where they'll email as something happens in the middle of the Met game. So thank you, Darren Cohen, for doing it. Darren writes, I don't know how this game ends, but Adovino just gave up a home run in the ninth. Seconds before I told my friend, I thought I was taking crazy pills because Buck used Robertson in the eighth when the meat of the order was coming up in the ninth. Is he trying to get fired? Is he trying to give us the middle finger? Or is he trying to give people in the organization a middle finger with this type of thing? Also, someone tell Jeff McNeil it's okay to drive the ball. And the idea of trying to improve your batting average 10 points versus hitting 15 more doubles is not a win, especially the case when you're not improving your average. Uh, yeah, the Mets did not win the game, nor did they show fight. Can someone tell uh, Buck Showalter that? Like, where the hell was that fight? A bloop single in the ninth inning by Brandon Nimmo down by a run and then Starling Marte grounding into the easiest double play in the history of baseball? That's not exactly showing fight that Buck was uh, waxing poetic about. This, by the way, what was this guy's name that just emailed you? Uh, Darren. Darren Cohen. Darren is not the first person that said this. Buck does seem like he's checked out slash looking to get fired. Is that something that you feel too? I know that we go back to, oh, last year he did the same thing, but it was cute then, and now it's not cute. But, I mean, honestly, every move he's making is wrong. I think, no, I don't think he's checked out. I think that when things are really, really bad, we look at everything closer. And we almost have a negative eye towards everything that happens. And every movie makes doesn't work. A lot of moves are not based on anything smart to make it. Other moves are, and they just don't work. Like there have been moves I've defended that Buck's made, and they just don't work. So I don't think he's checked out. But I will say this to those that want Buck fired. I am in a new place. I'm not in the place where I'm wanting him fired or I'm demanding him being fired. I'm in the place that if they fired him tomorrow, I would not be angry. That's where I'm at. I think a few weeks ago, if they fired him, it would be embarrassing. It would be Steinbrenner in the 80s-like. And I think my reaction to it on the Rico or on the fan would have been, this is bad, bad, bad. I think if on Monday morning, Steve Cohen went to Twitter, which he wouldn't do because he only talks positive on Twitter. I do have to check to see if he's tweeted anything in the last couple of days. And they announced, hey, we've decided to remove Buck Showalter from his job as manager. I wouldn't go applaud it. I wouldn't celebrate. I wouldn't say, yeah, we go. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd say, all right, I get it. They're 33 and 38. They suck. Every move doesn't work like we were just talking about. Fine. Try something different. Because I've also come to the realization, Pete, that not only will David Stearns be running the New York Mets next year. We have to follow that a little bit. If the Mets are handing the keys to the organization to David Stearns, who is a lifelong Met fan, who once told a friend of his, I will run the New York Mets someday. All right, told his friend that. Now, when was that? I don't know. Maybe 10 years ago. Maybe in effing high school for all I know. But that was said. I just don't know the date of it. 
if he's going to run the New York Mets, don't you think he's going to pick his own manager? If we're, if we're just being logical, like he's going to pick his own, it wouldn't be right to say, here's your manager. Now, David Stearns could take over and say, I've always loved Buck from afar. He's not the problem. He's the manager. That's possible. But the more likelier thing is that next year on the Rico, we're all bitching or celebrating the moves made by Craig Council. That's probably the likeliest scenario of how this all goes. Uh, Why? You think I'm wrong about that? Craig Council out of everybody. I mean, listen. Because he managed the Brewers. I I know. I know. But by the way, do me a favor. When does Craig Council's uh, contract run out as manager of the Milwaukee Brewers? I'm assuming it's going to be this year unless there's an opt contract. Is it opt in? Final year of his deal is this year, no extension. So it's all going down. Craig Council managed. David Stearns will be the GM. And uh, I don't know if we'll be happy. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen. You're going to get Carlos Beltran up for up for a bid and Mark DeRosa. Those are the three finalists for next year as the coach of the uh, New York Mets. The manager of the New York Mets. It's not the coach yeah, of manager. the New York Mets. Manager. Don't make that mistake. So, so. I know. Sorry. <laughs> and by the way, we have absolutely no history with Craig Council. Craig Council is one of those guys where, you know, we remember him from his playing days. You know, we all remember that with the Marlins. His in awkward stance. Yeah, yeah. He, he, sw- he looks awkward when he swings the bat. The awkward batting stance and all that. And he's been, you know, a reasonably good manager for the Brewers. They had that one year where they got to the LCS in 2018. You know, he's a above 500 manager. They haven't had bad seasons, though. They've been a disappointment the last two years. Let's face it. I thought they were a massive disappointment a year ago when they handed a playoff spot to Philadelphia. And obviously this year they're hovering around 500 in a division that no one wants to take. Maybe the Reds will eventually take it. But just follow the bouncing ball here. If David Stearns is running the New York Mets, he's going to pick his own manager. And that's the way it is. Can I have one wish? That the Milwaukee Brewers, and Stearns is still somewhat involved with the Brewers, right? Yeah, he's a consultant, correct. Great, great. This is beautiful. If David, if you're listening right now, consult with your team. If the Brewers are out of it, make a trade with the Mets, not for this year. No, no, no. <laughs> but Devin Williams to the Mets. Corbin Burns to the Mets. Yeah, Just send those guys both over. Of them. <laughs> send them both. Let's go. <laughs> send them over. All right, and finally, Deborah writes, Love listening to you guys. Was thinking since Lindor is doing so much better as a right-hand hitter, maybe he should stay as a right-hand hitter, abandon the shift for a while. What do you think? There are, throughout the history of Major League Baseball, a lot of switch hitters who are in a given season, because in Lindor's case, this is really a given season. If you look at his splits from a year ago, he was productive as a lefty. He was productive as a righty. There are years in which switch hitters just have massive disparities between one side and the other. And for the most part, they never give up hitting from one side. So I totally get what you're saying, Deborah. Lindor is a righty is a completely different hitter than Lindor is a lefty. But guys just don't do that, especially when they're in the midst of a long career. They just don't give up on one side. But obviously what you're witnessing and what we're all witnessing is incredibly frustrating because what's unfortunate with Lindor is the side he's effective on is the side he rarely hits from. Because even when the Mets are facing a lot of lefties, and they will face one lefty when they go to Houston, just like they faced one lefty when they played St. Louis, you're still facing a hell of a a lot more righties than you are lefties. So 
Lindor's just got to figure it out. So I don't think he will do it. It's rare that guys ever give up hitting from one side, but obviously we're all noticing the same thing as Deborah pointed out. He has been a horrendous left-hand hitter, and he's been much more dangerous as a righty, including hitting the home run on Sunday in his first at-bat after becoming a dad again. Congrats to him about that. Uh, hopefully the Mets can turn this season around, but our hope is all dwindling. We appreciate you listening. We'll definitely do a pod after the series ends like we always do against Houston. And I do promise at some point this week, we will finally get to the pod on the could have been off-season edition of Rico Bronia. We appreciate you listening and downloading. You can email us anytime, as we're even noticing in the midst of games, at thericob at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. You're listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.